And I think that a, a lot of times, I think people communicate their needs or they think that the purpose of communicating their needs is to get what they want, you know? And to me, I don't feel like that's the purpose of communicating my needs. I mean, that's one of the purposes of communicating my needs, but it's, for me, it's not the primary function. The primary function for me of communicating my needs or asking for what I want is advocating for myself and always being in an, in like a, in an ethic of I need to advocate for myself. So even if I do not get what I need, even if the answer is no, the point was not, or the primary point for me was communicating and expressing my need because it's something that I need to do. And then if I get what I need, that's just a bonus, you know? That's a bonus benefit. But the first benefit for me is standing up for myself and advocating for myself. I want to always exist in such a way to where I'm not like, you know, if the answer is no, I'm afraid. I don't advocate myself, even if I know the answer is no. You know, I'm still going to advocate for myself because that's kind of my gift to me. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from all over the world to hear their personal journeys of self-discovery through the lenses of love, sex, and relationships. Our mission is to show people that they're not alone and to inspire them to embrace their true selves so that together we can open minds and live authentically without shame. We believe everyone's story is powerful and beautiful, yet it's important to remember that everyone does life a little bit differently and that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we aren't doctors. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 319. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a wonderful interview with Avita. You may remember Avita. She was on our podcast back in episode 229 in March of 2022. You do not have to listen to that episode before this one. However, it's recommended if you want to, definitely go listen. Because it's an amazing conversation. Exactly. Hence, bringing Evita back again. Exactly. So this time, Evita comes back, gives us an update on her journey, and it's an amazing discussion. Yeah, I would just say one of the things that really stuck out to me through this is when, when we talked to Evita last, she had sort of transitioned out of her marriage and was just about to start or was just sort of at the beginning of her solo poly journey, journey, her solo poly journey. And now we're kind of catching up with her two years later and there's a lot more reflection and and conversation about what that journey has been like. And it's amazing that she has sort of multiple lenses she can look at non-monogamy through the we got started as a swinging married couple yeah. all the way to I went through a divorce and now I'm navigating this as a solo person with multiple partners and long distance relationships. And so she really brings a wide perspective and it is is a really beautiful conversation. So thank you, Evita, for coming on once again, sharing more of yourself and more of your vulnerability with us and for writing a book. Yes. Earlier this fall, Evita published a book titled A Polyamory Devotional, 365 Daily Reflections for the Consensually Non-Monogamous. We're super excited to get this out here, out our conversation out here, and her book, promotion for her book, Out Into the World. We're very excited. Thank you so much, Evita, for all of the work that you've done. You know how it's an awesome book? Why? Because the forward was written by another former guest of ours. That's also true. Shanae from episode 306. So, clout. 
That's all it is, is clout. <laughs> and really amazing collaboration. Yes. So please go check out all of Evita's work. Links are in the podcast show notes. I would also say check out her Instagram. She does a lot of these daily devotionals as sort of her is live or on reels, probably reels. I don't know shit about Instagram. So <laughs> she does videos and they come through the screen and they're amazing. That is what I'm trying to say. So please, again, check out all of Avita's work. We hope you enjoy this conversation with her. For anybody who is a premium subscriber, we're going to jump right on into the interview now. And for the rest of you, we have probably what I would consider to be the most amazing announcements in the podcast world. Always. Always. First up. If you're not familiar with the premium subscription, it is a way to skip all of these amazing announcements. Not that you want to, but maybe you do. So you can go to our homepage, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, scroll down, and you can find how to sign up right there. And then if you scroll all the way back up to the very top, there's a banner that talks about an upcoming virtual meet and greet, and that will be on January 26th. Yeah, next year. Next year, 2024. And we're super pumped for so that. So mark your calendars now. You got plenty of notice. That's right. You can even sign up now. So we hope to see you then. You can sign up there on the banner at the top, or you can go down to the events tab and you'll find all of the information there. We would love to meet you, greet you, and see you in a, in a couple of weeks. Yes. Next up, if you go over to the community tab, you can check out our virtual community. For only $5 a month, you get access to monthly Q&As, men's groups, women's groups calls, and an incredible support system people in there cheering each other on every single day. Yeah, we use a platform called Mighty Networks. It's an app, short for applications. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a combination of sort of chat rooms, forums, and it's a private closed network. So only only our amazing people can can see what you post. So it's a really great place to get private and very close-knit support from, from people just like you. So we would love to have you join us and the almost 300 other members from all around the world. As Emma said, it's only five bucks a month. So we would love to have you join us. Click on that community tab and you will find out how to do so. Last but not least, go over to the resources tab. And hey, it's the holidays. It is a great time to go get tested for STIs and using our favorite... Tis the season. Tis the season. Forget forget happy Honda days. This is this is the season for getting tested for STIs. Why not? Are you going to a really fun New Year's Eve party? Yes, you are. So... Use our favorite way to get tested for STIs. It is stdcheck.com. Using the links on the resources page, you can get $10 off, making a 10-panel test only $129, and you support the podcast. So thank you in advance for doing that. And you support the general non-monogamous community. Yeah, which is amazing. And thank you all for doing that. I would just say one quick addition on this is this is a service Emma and I have used for years and we absolutely love it. And, you know, Emma was was just cheering you on to go to your New Year's Eve party. The cool thing about this service is let's say you decided like three days in advance. That's still enough time usually to get tested, get your results and have them to show at the door if yep. you want or at the bedside table if that's where you're at. Who knows? Who so, knows? Anyway, Love this service. Hope you check it out. And it seems like lots of you love it as well. So thank you to everybody who's used those links this year. Yes. Thank you, everyone. And a quick reminder, reach out to us. Send us a voicemail. Send us an email. We would love to hear from you if you'd like to be a guest on the show or if you have any feedback for us. We would love to hear from you. And maybe one other thing we would ask as a, as a, like a holiday gift for us. Head over, if you love the show, leave us a review on one of the many different podcast platforms that you listen on. We would really appreciate that. Yep. We would. All right. And with that, let's go talk to Avita. We'll see you all on the other side with a wonderful outro 
as you would imagine. Let's go. Good afternoon, Avita. Welcome back. We've had you on the show. We always love having the return guests come back, but particularly excited for this one. You've got a new book out. You've got a lot going on in life. So welcome. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. I've been really, really excited about this conversation because I had such a great time with you both the last time. Yeah, wonderful. Well, mm. for anybody who's not familiar with the loveliness that is Avita, would you like to introduce yourself for all of us and we'll figure out where to go from there? Sure. Yes, thank you. I am Avita Levita Loca Sawyers, pronoun she, her, and I am the creator of today's polyamory reminder. Um, I am a polyamory and non-monogamy coach, uh, educator, content creator, speaker, and now published author. So <laughs> I'm the uh, published author of the new uh, polyamory devotional 365 reflections for the consensually non-monogamous. So yes, that's who I am. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, that's Thank amazing. You. And we're We'll definitely dig more into your book and, and work for sure, but just to high level touch on it so that you kind of said that you're, you're the creator of the, the daily reminder, polyamory reminder. Maybe what does that look like? And, and how did that maybe just quickly morph into a book? I'm assuming, I guess I'm assuming. Yeah. So it was actually a COVID experiment. Um, you know, I had gotten laid off and then the world shut down and everybody was home and um, I sort of challenged myself to see if I could come up with like 365 sort of like polyamory wisdoms, reminders, you know, things to to reflect on um, because we were all in the house and what could we do anyways? <laughs> and, um, and I was already speaking on uh, non-monogamy in my experience and kind of talking to people about how to navigate it was something I was already doing and had already been doing. Um, and every so often I would get like a little, like, I don't know, like a phrasing or a sentence that I was like, oh, this is a really good thing to, to remind people of, or to, to reflect on. And, um, I would post them. Um, and so I was like, oh, I wonder if I can like, you know, challenge myself to post one every day, uh, for a year. And then once I get a year's worth, um, you know, compile them and uh, turn them into like a book or like a devotional. I have had uh, several devotionals at various points in my life for different, um, uh, you know, subject matters. Um, and I kind of like that format of just a small snippet of something, you know, poignant um, and profound, you know, uh, but also um, like bite-sized, you know, so how do I say the most like profound thing in the simplest, most concise way is, you know, something that I enjoy. And so that, you know, experiment turned into, you know, the body of work <laughs> that is now my book. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And for somebody who takes the most simple and concise things and makes them as long and drawn out as possible, I have a lot of admiration for, for your, <laughs> your ability to do that. Oh, I also <laughs> do that as well. <laughs> okay, good. Good. Then, then we still have some common ground. But that does right. take skill to make it... <laughs> you know, summarize it. <laughs> right. It does. It does. And people, it, it's, you know, you have a, a character limit, you have a small frame and often, you know, these, uh, uh, topics, we want to make them a lot more simple, you know, than they are. And in some ways they are very simple. Um, when you're talking about the broad strokes of the generalities of, of different, you know, things, but you know, where it becomes, you know, more complex is how do I distill that down to my situation? You know, how, how do I tailor that 
to me is where it becomes a lot more complex and nuanced. Totally. So um, my my challenge is, you know, how do I take this thing and, you know, distill it down to the simplest wisdom that's possible that, you know, most people can connect to um, while also leaving space for the fact that there is, that this is nuanced and it's not just as, as simple as, as these words are, or, you know, uh, compi- comprising it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Po- polyamory and monogamy are a lot of things, but simple and easy aren't necessarily two of those things. No. I, th- I have found. <laughs> no, 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 no. In some ways, I feel like it can be simple because I do feel like it's, I think it's, it's that thing, but I don't think that's, um, like, I don't think it's, it's just in non-monogamy. I think that's life in general. And I think that's just part of being as a, a human is we at once make things very simple and also very complex. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like polyamory is really the same way. It's at once very simple and that it's normal human relating. It's being vulnerable with each other. It's speaking our truths. It's, you know, asserting our boundaries. It's communicating. It's all of these things that we think should be really simple <laughs> and really easy and something that even a child knows. Well, hey, if you have a problem, you need to talk to someone about it. But, you know, as humans, we kind of make things a lot more complex. So I feel like it's sometimes it's at once very simple and also at once very complex. But I think the human experience is just paradox in general. So. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, I think it's that idea that yeah, maybe maybe these are like you said. Oh, I, I something's going on. I should talk to somebody, and then you have five hundred voices going. No, just keep that shit to yourself. Nobody wants to hear it. You get socialized in all these different ways, and so something that could be or maybe potentially is simple gets all of our baggage brought into it, and then it gets really fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Or can. And not only our baggage, but the baggage of the person that we're interacting with. So yeah. even if it's simple enough to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to say something and you do the thing, you know, you say the thing and you choose your words carefully and you make sure that you're like owning your shit and, you know, right. And only giving break coming to them with what's theirs and holding on to what's yours. But you have no control over like how it lands for the person on the other side. And that also adds complications. And so, you know, we're not in this, this, this theater, you know, by ourselves, we're interacting with the other humans around us. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to have all the wisdom here with us today. Clearly, clearly you've been doing it perfectly, but I just, (laughs) Um, so, so maybe take us really quick back in time on a quick, on a quick road trip to the history of your non-monogamy up until maybe roughly a year and a half ago and, and sort of how, how you got into it, what it's looked like high level and then we'll force people to go back you know go right through all of that (laughs) it's super simple like we just just described right 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 right. i'll try to i try to distill it down to the most important parts but yeah i've been non-monogamous now for over a decade i started initially with my uh, then spouse at the time we have since separated and gotten divorced and we started with swinging which you know is a huge gateway into polyamory and um uh, swinging worked very well for me uh, it wasn't so much for him because I think he's a lot more uh, demisexual, you know, than I am. So it was kind of a challenge for both of us. And so he was a lot more intrigued by uh, polyamory and like other forms of non-monogamy than I was. And but then we decided to give it a try. Um, I wanted the opportunity to be able to develop romantic connections with uh, women um, because I'm a queer uh, person. And, um, and so that's how we got into it. And so, and then since then it's been this, you know, very illuminating, (laughs) expansive, uh, harrowing at times journey. Um, uh, and so we, like I said, we started with swinging and then, uh, about a few years, like maybe like a couple of years into that, uh, journey, we met 
a woman that we both dated for about two years. And that was a very integrated relationship. She lived with us. You know, we never like, once we got into it, we never like really got the concept that like we need to hide it or we need to kind of keep it separate from our regular lives. We were pretty much from the gate, like, oh, okay, you know, this is what we're doing. And, you know, we're going to integrate it and incorporate it into, you know, all facets of our life. So she lived with us for a while. Um, that relationship ended. And then um, from that point on, you know, we were just open. So I've had various configurations of relationships and connections and things, you know, since I've been along this pathway. And then in 2020, yes, September 2020, uh, my husband uh, made the decision to end our marriage. Um, and so we uh, moved down the, you know, or started the process of, you know, becoming separated and then divorced. And so at that time, I was married and living in San Diego, California. Due to the divorce, I decided to move back across the country uh, to New Jersey with my family. And so now I'm living this like single sort of non-monogamous life, which is very, very different and very interesting um, to like, you know, navigating non-monogamy as a person who's married. Um, So, but I also... I'm kind of like, okay, like I'm getting the opportunity to maybe experience a different side of it. Um, One that I, you know, just did not know about because I didn't have that vantage point because that just wasn't my experience. So I feel like it's allowed me to be a little bit more like fleshed out in the wisdom, you know, that I can offer because um, so much of non-monogamy content comes from the place of, you know, you're already partnered mm-hmm. and, you know, couples opening up and, you know, couples moving through this and how to, you know, how to navigate that space. And I don't feel like there's as much, uh, given to how do you move through it as a person who doesn't have an anchor relationship, you know, or isn't, you know, attached to somebody in a, in a couple, you may have partners and things, but you're not necessarily coupled yeah. in any way. So, um, I feel like it's given me the opportunity to, you know, be able to, you know, sit in that, um, experience, um, and offer wisdom for that experience as well. So now, you know, I'm here still living in New Jersey. Um, I have a long distance partner who lives in, um, California. And then I've like recently started seeing someone and that's been like a few months in the making. So, uh, and that's, that has been an interesting journey too, because it's, I'm exploring kink a lot more in that space, which I like was adamant that I was vanilla for like years, you know, and my friends were just like, seriously, (laughs) I was like, no, no, no. And uh, to the, to the point where they joked that I was like vanilla with sprinkles. And so, uh, I've gotten an opportunity out here to like explore my kink edges a lot more. And so that's been an exciting journey as well. And, and how, you know, non-monogamy intersects with that because there's a huge intersection Mm -hmm. of non-monogamy and kink. And I was always kind of, you know, adjacent to it because, you know, all of my friends were into it, but it wasn't me, but now I'm actually exploring it for myself. So that's been an exciting journey. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I think you crushed it on the high level over. Yes, you did. That was <laughs> actually very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I would love to, I mean, maybe a really great place to pick up is you, you're now, you, you kind of touched on, you get to, you've now had the experience to sort of live in non-monogamy in two different paradigms. The married anchor partner i mean it doesn't have to be married right but anchor partner i came into this partnered or i'm doing this as a solo person and not that you don't have partners but there is a difference and i'm curious maybe now it sounds like it's maybe been about two years or so since you've been on that sort of new path what is some of the thoughts feelings 
differences that you've experienced in that for yourself? You know, I was just talking to my publisher about this. I find that for me, I'm a lot less willing to take risks in my connections with others as I was when I was married because my marriage was like, I called it like my oatmeal relationship or like my staple relationship. Like I had a relationship that gave me the uh, like basic essentials of relating, you know? So I knew that if I had a bad day, I, I had someone that if all else fails, you know, unless they were just off or not available, I could go to that person for, you know, cuddles or just whatever, like, you know, and so having that kind of oatmeal staple relationship made me a lot more um, adventurous Mm -hmm. in my relationship choices because if something went, you know, belly up or it just didn't go well or whatever, you know, I had this person, I had something to fall back on. I had this person at home that I knew I could at least get the bare, you know, essentials of what it is that I need out of connecting to people. And now that I don't have that, I'm a lot more circumspect about the choices that I make to connect with people. Cause it's almost like the thought is like, you got one shot. <laughs> you got one shot uh, for it to, to get what you need out of this. And if you don't like, you know, you may not, you know, maybe a while, it may be a couple of weeks. It may be a couple of months, you know, um, uh, for you to get, you know, what you need from this connection. And so I'm a lot, lot, lot more picky. I'm a lot more careful, it is a, a lot more challenging uh, in some ways uh, navigating it as a single person. In some ways, it's, it's a lot easier because I'm not like thinking about what my partner is doing with someone else, um, the way that manifested when I was living with a spouse and I had a nested partner. You know, I definitely have a partner and he has other partners and he has other connections, but I'm very removed from a lot of that. He's It's an LDR. We don't live together. And so it allows me the space to, um, you know, be a lot more removed from his connections to other people in a way that makes it easier sometimes for me to show up to it. Whereas like, you know, when I was living with my spouse, I'm seeing everything in real time. We're actually having to make these real time logistical decisions about how we navigate, you know, our interactions with other people. And there was just a lot more opportunity there for, you know, a occasional or, you know, sometimes frequent (laughs) challenging emotions to surface. Whereas like in this era of dating, uh, that, that, you know, kind of degree of separation allows me to be a lot more at ease, you know, (laughs) in my non-monogamy because I'm just not as close to what my partners are doing with other people. And to the point where I'm like, okay, like, you know, I know that I, you know, would like to get married again, but I'm like, do I want a nesting partner again? You know, I kind of like, you know, that I live by myself and, you know, I can, you know, somebody calls me up and is like, yo, what you doing tonight? Can I come through a little booty call type tip? I'm like, yep, you know, <laughs> I don't have to worry about when my spouse is home or, and then two, my partners have the freedom to also do that themselves. Um, and they don't have to worry about me being in the house. So there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I'd like to get married again. or I'd like to have some kind of life partnership, but like, what do I want that to like actually look like? Um, because there is a level of freedom that I have in maneuvering uh, my dating and relationship life that I didn't experience when I was married. And I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you're taking time to kind of figure that out. Like you don't, you're not rushing it. Like you no. had the experience of living with a nesting partner and married with them. And now you're having this experience and just allowing yourself to be open to how do these both feel? What do I actually want moving forward? And allowing that to ebb and flow as you, as you figure it out. Yeah. And it's very peculiar because like, I didn't realize just how much, because me and my husband were married for like 17 years. 
So just how how like deeply like like seeped in that feeling of always having somebody there like was for me because it you know it was my you know my life for 17 years just always having someone there and now not having that um it's 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 interesting it's a challenging space to to navigate and then also to make sure that I'm being mindful of that I'm not making choices to interact with people just for the sake of having, because I'm so used to that experience of having and the feeling that longing, like I'm really getting to know the, the emotional experience of longing, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and loneliness being by myself. And, you know, I, I people have said, well, it's cause you don't know how to be by, I love being by myself. I take myself on dates all the time. I love being home in my own energy. It's not really that it's just that, you know, I am a, I, I I'm wired for connection. I love being in connection. I love being in relationship. And so making sure that even though I'm feeling, you know, this longing and this yearning and just this, this adjustment to, you know, not having someone, you know, uh, there like I used to before, but also making sure that I'm not allowing that to fuel me to make choices, um, in my connections with people that are just about the sake of, of alleviating that experience and not about the genuine connection with that person. Yeah. I love that you said that because it it almost dovetails right into sort of a thought that I had around the the balance between two things. One is you said, right, I'm I'm no longer do I have maybe the safety or security that I can always fall back on. So I'm I'm much more careful balancing that with and and I don't necessarily love this word, but a little bit of desperation maybe at times or a scarcity mindset maybe is a better way to say it. That like oh, that's a great word. Yeah, that you're, that you're like. <laughs> You know, I, if I, if I don't make this date work out, there aren't going to be cuddles tonight. And so then you have to sit in that and go, okay, do I do, does this, does this connection warrant cuddles or, or am I just pushing it because I'm feeling like I could really use that piece and, and not to say that we don't ever say, well, you know what, this isn't really going anywhere, but I could use a cuddle or a fuck, whatever it is, but like how, like finding that balance between your safety, your security, and needs that aren't getting met anymore in the way that they used to. Yes, yes, it's it's a major league struggle, um, and um, and then also making sure that you are you know on the same page with the people that you're interacting with, so that you know you're they know you know this is this is the space you occupy in my life, and these are the feelings that I have, and are you okay with that, and are you in agreement? is, is also like crucial because I don't, I don't judge, you know, people going, like you said, is this is just a fuck or this is just a cuddle or, you know, I'm just going to interact with this person for this way. Cause this is a need that I haven't met and they're here, you know, willing to meet it. But we want to make sure that, you know, people are aware <laughs> that, that that's what we're doing. Um, and that that's what's happening. And, um, and so, yeah. And so, and then it's like this weird intersection for me also of a time when, being tender from the marriage ending and, you know, all that goes into divorce. Um, cause I didn't really want my marriage to end and I did love my husband very much. And while I'm very much at peace with the fact that we're not together anymore and understand it's a necessity and it makes sense, but it's still, you know, it still hurts. I still miss the experience of having a person. And so, yeah. And so like, you know, making sure, uh, that, but at the same time, like, I don't feel as inclined to just you know, 
jump at any person that I find attractive or have a little bit of chemistry with. Like, you know, there's also this part of me that's like, oh, you know, I'm really tender right now. Mm -hmm. And so I also need to make sure kind of how you were talking about with safety is that, you know, if I am showing up to interact with these, uh, uh, you know, opportunities, um, that they're ones that I feel safe in because I am so tender. And so a normal dating disappointment at a different time in my life would hit a little bit more uh, hard because of just the tenderness of the period in general. And so that's also something I have to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Being aware of those emotional space that you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then how do I like relate that to like, you know, polyamory? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. No. <laughs> Um, and I like that, I love that you bring in the importance of communicating to these other people that you're dating, where you're at, what you're looking for, how, you know, to be honest with them about this is where I'm at right now. That may change in the future. I don't know, but this is what I'm bringing to the table and they can opt in or out of that and they can bring what they are bringing to the table and tell you and having that open and honest communication is really important. And also not everyone like it's not necessarily always intuitively done. No, it's also challenging because asking for what you need and stating like what you value, you know, about a connection with the person is, is, is vulnerable because they may not value the same things, you know, uh, they may not want the same things with you. And I feel like the last, these last few years of, of this time in my life, have really been me like get going deeper in my work of asking for what I want being honest about what my needs are or, or what I'm, you know, seeking to engage a person for and like being upfront, you know, with that and going like, Hey, this is what I'm interested in, in this connection. This is what I would like to do with you. You know, are you on the same page and can we do that each time? You know, while I do find that my resolve to interact that way gets easier because I know it's, it's, it's necessary and it's a thing that I need to do. It's the, it's the quickest way to get me to the, you know, where I want to go in the direction I need to go in. But I don't find that each time, like it gets easier to do, <laughs> you know, like each time it's still like, I still feel that like, who I'm getting ready to go this person. Like literally this morning, you know, I'm here, you know, like I said, I'm seeing someone here and uh, they had stayed the night and I was like, you know, kind of thinking about how I wanted the morning to go. And I, you know, had this request that I had to make of them. And I'm like, it took me a while to really like work up the <laughs> the stuff to like say like, hey, this is what I want to do. And this is what I'd like us to to, to experience. And I'm 41. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think with practice, it would get easier. And sometimes it just doesn't. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Each time it's like, all right, you know, you, you have to like steal yourself to go, okay. And I really think it's just, you know, that understanding, we're not always going to get the answer that we want, you know, when we come to a person and, and express what our needs are, what our desires are, whatever. Sometimes we're going to get a no, you know, sometimes we're going to get a not that like that, mm -hmm. you know? and needing to be okay. Uh, and I think a, a lot of times, I think people communicate their needs or they think that the purpose of communicating their needs is to get what they want, you know? And to me, I don't feel like that's the purpose of communicating my needs. I mean, that's one of the purposes of, of communicating my needs, but it's, for me, it's not the primary function. The primary function for me of communicating my needs or asking for what I want is advocating for myself and always being in an, in like a, in an ethic of, I need to advocate for myself. So even if I do not get what I need, even if the answer is no, the point was not, or the primary point for me was communicating and expressing my need because it's something that I need to do. And then if I get what I need, that's just a bonus, you know? 
that's a bonus benefit. But the first benefit for me is standing up for myself and advocating for myself. I want to always exist in such a way to where I'm not like, you know, if the answer is no, I'm afraid I don't advocate myself, even if I know the answer is no, you know, I'm still going to advocate for myself because that's kind of my gift to me. Mm -hmm. Well, and it also lets the other person know exactly where you're at. Right. And then in an ideal world, they can look at it and say, okay, you've been honest with me. Now I can be honest with you and say, I'm in or I'm out based on what you want. And then this is one of those places where we, we take the simple path and we make it all fucking muddy. But I think that is the, that's the, that's the dream, right? You get to say, I would like it to look exactly like this. And they can go, I can do that, or I can do it without this piece. And how do we create something that works for both? Like, that's the dream, right? But as you say, we, we all stumble in that process. Um, I have to now say it and then somebody else has to hear it and interpret it the same way that you were saying it. And then they have to be able to say there's been like, there's so much that has to happen. And it's, it is, it's scary. And um, I'm curious too, for you, do you find in there as well that there's some excitement or joy, or maybe that is some of the the draw that brings you back to it. Cause if it was, if it never worked, if it was always just hard, right. I feel like we would give up on it and say, well, it's just fucking hard. I'm not doing it. It does feel good when I, you know, make a request of a partner and they, they're enthusiastic. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Totally. You know, um, that does feel good. Um, it also feels good when I am able to like, know that I have like gotten the right language to say what it is that I'm saying. Like, you know, that's always a sense of accomplishment as well. It's like, Oh, I communicated exactly what I wanted, you know, and I hit the nail on the head and this person received it. And, uh, and the answer was yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that part I, I do enjoy. I also feel like in order for me to ensure that I am in relationships where large in part, my needs are being met is by asking for my needs because that way that's a, it's a great filter, you know, for people that are willing to meet your needs and are willing to meet your needs in the way that matter to you and that value to you and people that aren't is by stating them. So if I'm not stating them, you know, I won't ever really know if the relationships that I'm in are ones that can meet my needs and ones that can't. Yeah. Um, and the people in my life won't ever, they won't ever get to like consent to go. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm totally down for, for meeting your needs in that way or, or no, you know, I don't, I can't be in relationship with you like that. And maybe we need to do something different because the needs that you have in that space are not ones that I can or am willing to provide. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, in, uh, that's really why I keep coming back to it because, you know, it's kind of one of those things that if I don't, that if I don't continue that work, you know, usually what will end up happening is you'll just kind of find yourself in a space to where, you're not hardly getting any needs met or if you're getting needs met, it's happening by, you know, luck of the draw. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, I'm like, well, you know, sometimes that is life and life is luck and, you know, life also has to be directions. I feel like that's one of the, the messages that I've received over the last couple of years from the universe. I'm a very go with the flow kind of person. And I can also be very like, well, I don't need that or, oh, cool. You know, I can kind of be very that way. And I feel like the universe kind of says, you know, Vivi, you got to pick up the oars and 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 row sometimes. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it sounds like this this asking for your needs and voicing them, being forward about them. It sounds like that is one of the strategies to what we were talking about earlier: taking care of yourself, making sure that you are safe, making sure that the people you're interacting with are going to be able to show up for you in that way. Right? It's the the upfront stating of the needs before you get maybe too deep into it, 
your shoe swept off your feet to be like, okay, well, they just said they can't meet any of my needs, but damn it, I'm, I'm, I'm in limerence, I'm in lust, I'm in love, whatever. I'm, I'm gone, so I eh, fuck all my needs. Yeah, um, and I think that we can tend to focus on the person that we want instead of what we want and then try to, you know, accept what it is that they're coming with or like get rid of our needs. Well, I don't really need that. I don't really need that because I'm more concerned about the person that I want. Whereas like for me now, I feel like my focus is, okay, knowing the things that I want, how I want to feel in a relationship, what I want to say about how my partner shows up to me, et cetera. And then going, okay. And then let me find someone that, you know, meets most of, of those, uh, uh, things that I value, um, as opposed to doing it the other way around, we're just focusing on a person. Cause I've also noticed that, you know, a lot of the things that I am attracted to don't always come from like the healthiest parts of myself. You know, some of the things do, but some of them don't, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, if I'm like really feeling this person, sometimes, you know, that's a great thing. And sometimes it's like, eh, you know, that's not so great of a thing uh, because, you know, some of the things that I get into don't come from the part of myself that like wants myself to have good things, you mm-hmm. know, so mm-hmm. yeah. I gives myself good things. So it's, it's important. Um, yeah. That I'm like paying attention to that too. Yeah. I love that. I think the, the idea of partner selection is like really critical along this. And I think the, like the easiest thing that came to mind for me when you were talking about this is, you're swiping through the dating profiles and somebody's like, they're your type. They're everything about them is like your dream person. And then it's like, you know, looking for my next long-term nesting partner. I want to have kids and make a family and all this stuff. And you're over here thinking, well, I don't want kids. I've already got a family. I could probably make time once a month. You're like, but I don't know, but they're my type. So I'm going for it. And then you're jumping into something that you you're not aligned, but you're just basing it off of like, I want to make it work with this person versus like, yeah, let's find a person that that works right yeah and um and especially with polyamory specifically that has so many moving pieces and i was you know sometimes you know people will tell me what their like polyamorous fantasy is you know or like what they because we all have them you know i want to live in a house with the you know all my metamors or whatever you know (laughs) there's all kinds of you know different fantasies that people have uh in polyamory but then they'll make choices of people that i'm like "Mm," like you know I'm like, uh, I don't know that you're going to be able to achieve that with that person. And that in and of itself isn't a terrible thing because we don't have to necessarily live our fantasy with every person that we interact with. But sometimes, you know, people will make choices in um, their relationships or partner choices that are like in direct contravention, you know, to what it is that they say that they want. And so I think that we don't really talk about like how important good partner selection is in like crafting the relationship experience that you want to have. And, um, and good partner selection, I found now that as I've gotten older, it does, it takes time. It takes being willing to be intentional and conscientious and circumspect, having those check-in conversations, you know, being upfront, uh, in the beginning about like, you know, you know, what you, what trajectory you want the relationship to be on, you know, what you are envisioning for how you want to be in relationship to one another. It takes a lot of that, uh, work because it is really, really important that we're, we're choosing people that, you know, share our vision for the relationship experience that we want to have. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is important. And I, I was curious, a little bit on that note, you know, you said back at the beginning that you're in a long distance relationship with somebody in California. You moved from California 
to New Jersey. So I'm like curious, how does that relationship work for you? What do you, because long distance relationships are challenging, can be challenging. They can also fit really nicely in, in, in our lives if we're conscious about how we do that. And so I just wanted to touch on that. And since we're talking about needs and everything, um, kind of how that relationship fits in your life. Fortunately, that per- that partner um, is probably the like most secure I've ever felt in a relationship, like in my life. <laughs> and like I guess I was married for seventeen years. But um, the way he he, I always say that my partner like loves you with like precision. He's just very precise in like how he shows up and loves you, and it allows me to feel really secure in that relationship. So even with the moving away, I mean, obviously I was really sad about it. And we always existed in some kind of long distance capacity because even though I lived in California, he still was about a two hour, you know, drive from me. So it wasn't like, you know, we were seeing each other once a week or whatever. So, you know, now we communicate via polo and, you know, video call and we do video dates and, you know, we've seen each other. My children are in California. So whenever I go out to California for the holidays to visit my children, we make time for one another. He's also been this way a few times uh, since we've been together and, um, you know, it mostly is just us kind of acknowledging that, uh, even though, you know, we have a large physical distance from one another, you know, we're still close in spirit, close in desire for each other. You know, um, we still maintain that, you know, the feelings that we have for each other, um, are the same. Uh, we just can't always, you know, um, enact them in a physical way, you know, because <laughs> we're not close to each other, but, but all of the, the, the regard and the, you know, ardor and the things that we experience for each other is still there. So, um, and so we've just, you know, each just one day at a time, one step at a time going, you know, how do we maintain this connection that we have when, um, now we factor in physical distance and so far we've done really well. So, um, you know, we're coming up on four years actually this month. And, you know, I always feel like I'm still like, you know, day one head over heels for him. (laughs) So, which is nice. Um, that relationship is, is, is really great because I feel like we, a lot of, um, it's probably like one of the relationships that I've experienced the most like alignment with, with like how we want to be in connection with one another, how we want to relate to the world. And, uh, I think that's kind of the glue, you know, that keeps us uh, together across the miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, the the piece in there about, I think, transitioning from, you know, long-ish distance to very long distance, right? There, and, and having to probably in some ways grieve the, like, it's not going to be, yeah, you weren't seeing each other every week, but you probably saw each other more than you see each other now. And to say, we, we now need to, or want to, we don't need to do anything, but we want to maintain our connection. We want to maintain this relationship and our feelings haven't changed, but now, yeah, there's a new constraint and we don't get to do it the same way, right? You don't live, you don't live two hours away. You live, you know, a four or five hour flight away and that's a whole different story. And so I just, yeah, as Emma said, like, it's really challenging and, and it's challenging to go and take a relationship and have it exist in different forms. Yeah. And it it sometimes can be challenging being as supportive in non-monogamy when you're further away because, you know, their local connections get to have experiences with them that I don't get to have. 
they get to have interactions with them that I just don't get to have. And, uh, you know, that can impact sometimes my ability to be as compersive or, you know, to be as just like, oh, yeah, you're going on a date. Wow. Are you really getting to know this person and y'all are liking each other? That's great. Um, And while I do, you know, feel those sentiments, but I also feel a measure of envy or sadness around like, you know, I don't get to just spontaneously go grab coffee with you or or get a hug from you or, you know have sex. You know, I remember, um, we, my partner and I went through some conflicts like earlier this year and it was really, really challenging because those normal ways that you would think of to repair rupture, you know, cuddling, you know, uh, fancy a fuck, you know, (laughs) like going on a date, all of those things are just not available to us. And so we were like, how do we, how do we, you know, reestablish that sense of closeness when we literally cannot be close to each other? What does that even look like yeah. uh, uh, for us? And I feel like it took longer um, uh, to, to repair and to get, get back to that feeling of closeness than it would have if, you know, we had the opportunity to actually be in person with one another. Oh yeah, for sure. Totally. And, and to the, I, I mean, so, so we've been in long distance relationships. We've, we've, we've played this game and it, and it has so many challenges and, I think one there that is also hard is the, like, let's say you're needing some support or they're needing support and you want to be there to support. And like you said, maybe what that support needs to be is no words. It's just, let me hold you. Let me hug you. Let's just sit together. And you can't. And so like you, Mm -hmm. all you can do sometimes is be like, you you send these messages. Like I care so much. You have no idea, but I can't do anything. (laughs) And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's also challenging too, is just not feeling like you're able to really be present, uh, you know, for your partner. Um, and sometimes these really meaningful ways. So milestones that they have, you know, just different things like that. You're, you're sort of, you know, watching each other's lives kind of from a distance that can be hard. Like I definitely had times where, you know, I, all I could, I could have used that day was just a hug, you know, for my partner, and they're just not able to to give me that. And while we do have like a video chat, like I said, in Polo and, you know, thank God for technology, because I'm also in that same space with my kids. You know, I moved away. All of my, my life was in California, you know, so all of my friends, everything was over there. And so, um, and so, yeah, so it, it, it is a challenge, but, you know, it's, it's taught me how to be in relationship differently. It's taught me how to learn how to like get different things from love. And, um, and so in that regard, you know, it has been an enjoyable experience. Uh, I, I will say that, uh, I am like, uh, I can only do one, like you know, <laughs> one long distance. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, two, cause actually the person I'm seeing out here just told me that they're moving to another state. And I was like, Oh really? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Is it, is it a right. bordering state that's within an hour drive, I hope? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's not terribly far, so it's a little bit down the coast, but it's 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 still, I was still, I was not happy about yeah. it. So, like it's a, I, you know, I was happy for them, you know, because it's a choice that they need to make. But I was, you know, I was in my pouty little baby feelings about it, so... Um, but also I understood it deeply because I had to do it too. I had to make the same decision, you know, when I chose to move, you know, let's go to my partner and say, you know, this isn't a reflection of, you know, how I, much I care about you. I actually care about you very deeply. And also I have to make this choice for my life, uh, right now. And, uh, and I, it was, you know, beautiful to me that his response to it was just like, okay, 
you know, this is what we're doing. And uh, so, you know, it enabled me to be able to have that same response and be like, okay, you know, this is what we're doing. And also, I'm like, all right, I'm maxed out on that, y'all. Yeah, five to ten mile radius only. (laughs) If I can't walk, it ain't happening. Uh, (laughs) Right, exactly. You got to be next door. (laughs) I'm like going, like post something on my neighbor's doorway. You know, single and ready to mingle. (laughs) I love it, and I I, I love to Avita. Just how many perspectives you bring. You know, in in a decade of doing this, or a little over a decade of doing this, the the perspectives you have, I think, are so powerful, and and they give you, I don't want to say an edge, but they, I think, as you do this, right, we we gain experience, and we go through these experiences, and we say, okay, we can do things differently than we did ten years ago, and I think there's just value in recognizing that for somebody listening who says, well, yeah, I mean, if my partner moved, I would have a hell of a time with it, and. That's not to say you're not, but you also got to say, I was that person, right? And now you're like, similarly, right? You, perhaps you find yourself in a partnership with somebody who is, you know, long-term married and you go, I've been on that side. And you've, you've done this dance from different perspectives and you get to take that as you move through it. And you just get to sort of add the knowledge and, and that like shapes how you go through it. And I just, I think there's this a lot in there that's really amazing and and i'm grateful that we get to talk about it so that that wasn't a question but if you want to talk on it for feel free but i just i'm very grateful for that now i love i love being able to expand my vantage point you know i'm like how many angles uh are here um you know how many perspectives can we see how many shades you know can we see because you know that allows me to um be able to, I feel like, make the best choices, you know, in the situations that I'm in because, you know, I'm, uh, I'm seeing more. Uh, uh, and so I like, you know, opening my mind to various perspectives. And I also like really being present in the different stages that I move through, um, because I'm like, Oh, like, you know, what is this, you know, what is the vantage point here? Like, what is, what, what does this lens look like? You know, when I look through this lens, what am I able to see? Uh, I feel like that's just helpful in general. So, uh, so yeah, it helps me to be a more well-rounded person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, I will say for myself, there's a lot of empathy that can come from that, right? Cause you can look at somebody mm. else's situation and be like, I can put myself in your shoes. I bet that's really hard, blah, blah, blah. Right. But to be like, I can put myself in your shoes because I've worn those shoes. I literally wore those shoes a year ago and it's hard as fuck. So I get it in a different way where maybe some of those, you know, those, I, the, the word negative feelings, the, those feelings of, oh, this is hard, or I'm feeling some jealousy or envy. It's for me, it's easier to tamp those down. If I can remember the time that I was that other person having to move or that other person, you know, having to transition or end a relationship, like navigating that at the same time that you're in a different partnership, like that's a whole set of skills that you don't learn that in monogamy school, like you end one, you Mm -hmm. start another one, the two shall never cross. Yeah. 
the golden rule applies like so much. <laughs> I feel like in non-monogamy, it really does. It's like treating others how I would want to be treated. How would I want to be treated in this scenario? Um, and, uh, you know, how would I want my partner to treat me if, you know, they were the one that had feelings about something that I was doing and they needed to address that with me? What do I want? What would I want them to say? What would I want them to remember about me? You know? So when they're in that space where they're feeling triggered and they're feeling activated, what would I want them to remember about me? Remember to the best of their ability that overall their experience of me as a kind person to remember that, you know, I don't, you know, seek to hurt them to remember that I care about them, you know, and then I try to remember those things myself, you know, whenever I'm, I'm, you know, here and I'm like, well, well, I'll get a lot further uh, with this person when I try to incorporate their image, you know, and their perspective and make sure that we're collaborating as we're painting the picture of what's happening between us, as opposed to just, you know, work, working on uh, painting, you know, my perspective. Um, and so that takes a willingness to be able to, you know, kind of sit in their seat and go, well, if I was sitting here, <laughs> what would I be feeling or what would I be thinking or how would this be landing uh, for me? And uh, kind of validating for them, like, oh, yeah, I can see where you got that from, even if it wasn't my intent or vice versa. Or I can see why you made that choice that you made, even though it landed for me this way. It's, it's learning to hold the both and. And people have such a hard time with that, holding that both and. You know, it's always like either my perspective is completely right and there's no room for any other things or this other person is completely right. I think people have a hard time going, it's a both and and not an either or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's often like, it's kind of innate in us too. Like sometimes going, you have to almost consciously do that switch from the, to the both and rather than the either, or it's so easy to, it depends on our personalities too, and our upbringing and all of that, but like how much we think in the black and white, but to switch that is takes conscious effort. And, you know, sometimes some things have to be black and white for you too. And that's, totally okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but you have to also understand that like, this is black and white for me. It may not be black and white for this other person. So, um, uh, you know, there are some things for me that, you know, it, that's just going to be black, <laughs> you know, it's just going to be white. And that's pretty much the way it is, but I have to hold that. Like, that's how I see it. You know what I mean? That's how I see it. It doesn't necessarily mean that's how this other person sees it. And so even in that there is a both end as well, but, um, I enjoy, trying to figure out like, how can I hold, you know, as much that as here as possible? Um, because like, I, I, I love what you said about empathy. I feel like it allows me to be a lot more empathetic. I think when we have these like very hard and, you know, kind of rigid attachments to our perspectives on things, it really, really makes being empathetic and compassionate, very challenging because you don't see any other's perspective, but your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and therein lies the, the, like the, needle that has to be threaded is holding enough of yours true that you don't give that all up just to make it work with the person right that isn't right because you could like you said like some days it's just black for me right it's it is black and white and there is a there is times right where you're like look your way of seeing it and my way of seeing it we can't budge and we're incompatible so now we have to respect Mm -hmm. that instead of saying well I think what we often, a lot of us do, and we see this in 
monogamy world, but we see this in non-monogamy too, is you take those things where you do not align and you go, let's just never look at those because that doesn't go well. We'll put those away. We'll put them in the closet. We'll put it under a rug and, and it won't be a problem, except it's still a disparity between the two of you. And if you ever come near it, it gets you. And so that determining, right, is it a big enough one that you can put it or you, you, is it too big for you to put away or can you be like, hey, look, we can just agree to disagree here and move about our lives in a very, you know, um, cordial way, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, th- I feel like that's always the challenge is going, okay, well, how much of this is just something that we have to agree to disagree on or just understand that we're not going to be on the same page about that? Or even that th- those are things that we're going to have to share with others, you know, <laughs> because yeah. uh, between the two of us, that's not shared. And then how many things are like, Oh, this is actually something that needs to alter the course of what we're doing (laughs) because, because it's it's that much of a misalignment that we are actually on different paths uh, or that we should be on a different path than the current path that we're on trying to, you know, try to navigate. So I feel like that, that is a big, 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 big challenge um, to uh, come up against. I tend to, there are certain things that, you know, we don't have the same, I don't know, opinion about horror movies, you know, (laughs) that's fine. You know, those are things that I can kind of lay on the threshing floor, but some of those really, really core relationship values and then also core human values too. So like, what do I value about people in general, you know, regardless of whether or not I have X, Y, Z kind of relationship with them, you know, those are the things that, um, I I pay more attention to, um, making sure that, you know, we're in alignment on those things. Yeah. Thank you. Avita for, for this just amazing conversation. Did you have more on that? No, I mean, yes, I could talk about this for weeks, but it's, 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 it's probably kind of be respectful. (laughs) Well, I was going to say like, I want to be respectful of your time and just appreciate everything that you shared. I, as Finn said, we could keep talking about this for weeks. Uh, but I would love to dig into a little bit of your, um, your work and, and how, I guess the inspiration for the book, I know you talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but um, inspiration and then where people can find it. And and also like, what it, what does it look like? What yeah. is the devotional? What is What can they expect when they go and buy it? <laughs> so I have it on my, count, on my uh, bookshelf. Let me grab it. Actually, I probably shouldn't have like, had it, you know, but whatever. <laughs> okay, okay. So the inspiration for it really comes, some of it comes from my own experience. So I, I'll be doing things and, or having things happen, you know, in my, you know, relationship life that are very poignant to me. And I like to share with people. And really that is where my sharing came from is a desire to like connect, you know, with people and connect with, Hey, is there, you know, I'm feeling this thing. Is there anybody else? Can I get a witness? You know, so I say, is there anybody out there that's feeling this? Do you know, you know, can I, can I, can I, is there someone out there that can say, yeah, I went through that or yeah, I know what you mean. Um, because sometimes I would go through things in non-monogamy and they would be so isolating. I'd feel so isolated, you know, when I was really struggling with something. And, uh, sometimes I just wanted to know that I wasn't alone, you know? and what I was experiencing or how something was landing for me, or even sometimes just wanting to know, am I off base, you know, for this thing to be landing for me this way, which now I just have an understanding that my feelings are my feelings. Uh, But it sometimes can be so validating for someone to go, if I was in your shoes, I'd be feeling the exact same way. 
you know? So a part of it, you know, was a, about me wanting to, you know, say, Hey, is anybody out there, you know, who, who feels this? And then also understanding that there probably are people out there that are feeling this and they're feeling just as lonely, you know, as I was when I was feeling it. And so my sharing it is also, you know, kind of like a, a beacon to others that it's like, Oh, it's okay for me to not, you know, for me to have complex emotions as I'm navigating this or to not feel great about it all the time or to, you know, struggle, um, and have my little, my insecurities and my wounds come up and surface, you know, um, there are other people that are having that experience and that that's okay. And that's normal. Like it's okay to be human, um, in this. And that was really probably my main message, you know, is it's okay to be human. You know, we're human and we're doing this, you know, polyamory and non-monogamy is not some evidence that we've like, transcended, you know, (laughs) some like, you know, human, you know, limitation. It really isn't. So, um, you know, we bring our human selves to this, this loving and this living, um, and that's totally okay. And the more that we embrace that and acknowledge it and make room for it, um, and hold space for it, the more connected and, um, honest we'll be with each other and with ourselves, the more healing that will, you know, occur for me, polyamory and non-monogamy is a deeply spiritual, uh, practice. Um, and so a lot of this was me working through, you know, my own, uh, epiphanies and, you know, self-awarenesses and whatever. And I would have these moments of like, wow, this is really, really good. And I wonder if this would be helpful with someone else, you know, to talk about or helpful with someone else to name. Um, and so that's kind of what got me talking about it. And then also too, you know, when I first got into non-monogamy, there weren't really a lot of voices that felt gentle when it came to like navigating the challenges, you know, it felt like the loudest voices were the ones that were just like, get it together, you know, (laughs) you know, don't be jealous, figure it out. Like, you know, I felt like those are, that was the voices that were ringing the loudest. And maybe it was just because I was so sensitive about how jealous I was getting all the time that that's just what I, you know, what I would hear mm-hmm. the most. Uh, but I just didn't feel like there was a voice that was, was gentle and was like, yeah, you know, it's okay. You know, that this thing made you jealous and stuff. And so it was kind of also one of those, like, you know, being the voice that I wanted to have, mm-hmm. you know, when I first started. And then, you know, I would also say like, if I could just help one less person like feel alone or even just help one less person sort of like hack across you know, um, uh, like give them a shortcut, you know, to getting through a breakthrough in their feelings experience, um, and non-monogamy like that, that's something that also makes me feel really good, you know, cause there was some, so many times when I was like, God, like I am just like beating my head up against the wall here. Like, can I get a cheat code? Like, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. somebody, can I get a cheat code? And, um, so if I can give someone, you know, a little shortcut, to, uh, uh, you know, getting to more, you know, stasis, you know, about this, um, that always makes me feel really good. And so this is what the book looks like. It's, you know, a little handheld. Um, it has 365 daily reflections and they're just labeled day one, day two, day three, not like, you know, April 1st, April 2nd. Um, and then there's a riff, you know, like there's a piece where there's a reflection at the top and then there's like a little blurb, you know, that I've written about it. And then at the bottom, there's a like a question that you can ask yourself to kind of dig deeper because I, I always say about the book that I don't want to I don't want to like create this like army of Avitas who like think and feel like I do. I want people to find themselves, 
you know, in the book. I want you to find your answers. You know, what is true for you about this thing that I'm saying, you know? And so I liked having the reflection question down the bottom, you know, so people don't walk away from it and just go, oh, okay, well, I read this thing that Avita said, but they, you know, sit with themselves and go, what do I have to say about this? You know, how do I feel about it? Um, because to me, that is when you can uh, move through anything that you do with more assuredness and confidence because you know what your answers are. Um, and you're not kind of swayed to and fro, uh, you know, w- w- with the answers of others. You're secure in, and like, you're secure in like your relationship with your own voice and you can trust it. Mm-hmm. You know, that to me is really, really, really important. So many people are just not connected to their own voices, you know, and not connected to their own wisdom for themselves. Yeah. Um, and so it was really important for me to, you know, create something where, you know, people could begin to tap into their own internal wisdom. Uh, uh, to find their own answers. Yeah. 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 I love it. I, I love that you said that there towards the end. I mean, I loved all of it, but that piece about, I mean, so, so like you touched on community a bit earlier and like the value and power of community and knowing, okay, I'm not the only one who's feeling this, but there is the double-edged sort of community where if you land in a community where maybe, I don't want to say they're doing it wrong, but maybe their views, their approaches are not in alignment with yours, or maybe they are those people who are like, look, stop being jealous. You should just be full of compersion. Look at all of us. We do that. And you're sitting there going like, but damn it, I'm not like, and so the double-edged sword of community is if you land in one that doesn't really align for you and you don't have a good hold on your own values, your values get just washed right away and overridden by the community's values. And, And so being able to hold your own both and with the communities are is critical and so i I glad i'm I'm glad that you said that and like that you worked that into the book because i think that's amazing so it gives people a way to develop that for themselves yeah and um uh i find that so you know often the loudest voices you know in any community aren't necessarily a reflection of like my own Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh and, um, and while I do believe that it is important that we are seeking community of people that are in alignment with how we want to move through things, because not, you know, we need, sometimes we need examples, you know, when it's like, okay, I don't know, you know, how I want to navigate this particular situation that I'm in, but who I have people around me who, you know, I, our integrity matches with like how we want to show up. And so I can look to this person for guidance, um, if I needed it and, you know, I need to, I've lost my way. Uh, but you know, that's not always available. Um, and so it's learning how to like be your own North star while you're still, you know, finding your way towards, you know, other, you know, stars, uh, that you are aligned with. Um, and so that was important for me is kind of getting the conversation going with people or the process going of, of self-examination. Yeah. Because that to me is really important in non-monogamy is, is self-examination is being able to go sit with yourself and go, do I agree with this? Do I believe this? Is this a uh, belief that I want to update or alter or throw away? Uh, you know, really being able to, to hone the skill of sitting with yourself and, uh, and getting your own answers for yourself. Yeah. It's critical. Yeah. Well, and, and to, I, you know, to, to say too, right. You don't, you also don't want to build a community that, like you said, that are just clones of yourself because right. then you're living in an echo chamber. So it's, it is a very fun, 
honestly fun, loosely line to try to dance along of, I want this community to be aligned enough, but also, and supportive enough that I can go against the community without it being against the community, right? That, that we have the freedom within community to bring our own values and our own truths and those be received. So it's a, yeah, it's symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's being able to stand your own, you know, stand your own ground and hold your own um, in community and also have community that shows up well to when difference is there. Mm -hmm. And being able to support that. So, um, and I tend to normally have community around me that's like that because I just do not know how to not be myself. So, like, I really don't. (laughs) I just do not know how to not be myself. Um, And so, you know, for me, it's just like, okay, like, I have to make sure. It is. It's a good thing. I mean, in in some respects, it is a good thing. I think in some ways it would be uh, good for me to learn how to be able to turn that off (laughs) sometimes, you know, (laughs) because I I think there are just times in life where that is a requirement and so many of our systems are set up. So that is a requirement, but yeah, but you know, I just don't know how to like not be myself for the most part. And so I don't often, you know, involve myself in communities where I, you know, can't, you know, I don't feel safe enough, you know, to go against the grain if I needed to. Yeah. 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 Um, But also, you know, that going against the grain, it does, you know, it is, it's, it's hard to do sometimes because, you know, you, you're not sure if the community is going to be able to, to hold you in that or receive you or, you know, you're going to, that's going to cut you off from community. So, um, so yeah, so that is a challenging uh, thing uh, to do. Um, and especially if, you know, when we're thinking about things like non-monogamy, if you're in certain areas where community is scarce in general mm-hmm. around that, it can be a challenge to, to sort of, you know, be an outlier but I actually kind of enjoy that space personally. So <laughs> I kind of like it. So yeah. 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 I love, I love it too. Well, thank you again, Avita. Again, we, we could do this for hours with you, but we, we would then leave the door open to have you back on again in the future. So let's, let's definitely do that. Yay. And um, for anybody listening, links to all of your work are in the show notes, which people can find easily. We'll tell you how in the outro, we told you how in the intro and uh, yeah. Any, any final thoughts for today before we let you go or any other questions, Emma? No, I am just really grateful for this conversation today, Vita. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. I love talking to you both. Um, and I love that we have such a, a like a flowing rapport. It just kind of like, it's very easy. It just feels like I'm just sitting down with some old friends having conversation. Um, and uh, I love having these conversations because sometimes they solidify things for me that I just had never articulated because no one had asked me a question that caused me to have to. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I enjoy uh, uh, these conversations specifically because, um, uh, they help me to kind of find my own, you know, sort of guiding lights. (laughs) Thank you. Of course. Well, yeah. If, if, if nobody else has anything, we can bid you farewell for the day (laughs) and, um, we will definitely do it again. Everybody, please go check out Avita's book and have a fantastic day. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we're back. Thank you so much, Evita, for such a lovely conversation, for coming back on again a second time to the podcast and for sharing everything that you did and for writing a book. A quick reminder, all listeners out there, go check out the show notes to this episode. You can find links to Evita's book. Go and check it out. One more thank you to Evita. This one's just going out into the future. Thank you for coming on a third time sometime in a a few years. We look forward to that. And one of these days, we'll get to meet you in person. Yes. 
All right, so just a few quick reminders. At the end of January, January 26th, we have our next virtual meet and greet. You can always jump in and join our community so you can meet awesome people all day, every day. Check that out. That's on our website under the community tab. And next week, we've got an interview with Spade and Rose. Yep, that's next week. I think I think that's it. No, it's not quite it. It's not? No, we get to see everybody on Friday this week. Oh, yeah, we do. Ask us anything. Ask us anything. Two wonderful questions that Miche and I, I'm I'm biased, but I think we knocked them out of the park. <laughs> I'm sure you did. You sure we did? Yeah, I'm sure we did. <laughs> Emma will be surprised just like the rest of you. <laughs> that's her birthday present. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So go and listen to the episode on Friday and then come back next week and listen to Spade and Rose. And we will see you all then. Until then. Happy holidays, everyone. Whether you celebrate, don't celebrate, whatever, just enjoy some time. Enjoy not working as hard. How about that? Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to work less. Unless you work in retail. And then I would stop. (laughs) I would probably cash it in right about now if I'm being honest. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. The, The number of fucks given is equal to the number of days left in the year. Yeah, that's true. Alrighty. Thank you for listening to our rambles. Have a wonderful week, everyone. I think that's it. That's it. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.